0: Can I pray for our church family? Uh, there's been a lot of sickness in our church, uh, including in our family. A uh, number of you have asked that uh, Lynn had some tests done on Tuesday. We'll get results of those tests, Lord willing, on the 26th, and we're praying that they're positive. But uh, uh, on top of that, she's been sick, and the others in her family have been sick, and I know many of you have been sick. And and um, and we so we just let me just pray, okay? Lord, I love you. The truth is, you love me far more than I ever could love you. Thank you, Lord. Um, we as your people, we need you. Uh, we need you for everything, um, but we do need you for physical health. And Lord, uh, I-, I ask that you would graciously just visit this body and 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 heal our sicknesses. Um, give us strength that as, as only you are able. Lord, um, I, I pray that uh, you'd have grace upon us, not only physically, but you'd have grace upon us spiritually and, and you'd cause us to flourish and grow, bear fruit, uh, not, not so much for our sake, but Lord, for your glory. And Lord, even as we look at this scripture this morning, I, I pray that you would teach us and that you would bear fruit even in our lives right now. Uh, we are a people who who desperately need you. In your name, we pray. Amen. As I started last week, a short two-week sermon series on eldership and why it matters. Uh, if you weren't here, we've we put Ecclesiastes on pause till probably the second week of February, if my my thinking's right. Um, next week. It's not the beginning of Advent. Advent starts on the December 1st, but we're going to start a week early and we're going to begin to look at the incarnation, the enfleshment of Jesus starting next week. And that will carry us on up till Christmas. And then after Christmas, I believe uh, the second Sunday in uh, January, we will look at the five distinctives of the church, uh, the the ways we see the church um, causing us to become a community, that uh, is multicultural and that sees Jesus as king that worships Jesus as king and that that's our prayer but uh, we've been wrestling through that we unpacked that at our our family meeting last time and uh, over the over January and the first part of February um, we would like to talk through that and we meaning myself and Tom and Jay and Matt okay so that's kind of where we're headed And then, Lord willing, we'll pick up Ecclesiastes and finish the last half of that book off. Maybe it's good that we're taking a break. It's sometimes somewhat depressing. I don't know. Although there's a lot of encouragement in that book, too. But today, eldership and why it matters. As we begin to wrestle with and ask the question, who are the elders among us? Have have you ever said something that you've regretted? Everybody, I see a lot of chuckles, so that means I'm assuming... That means yeah, have you ever the words just start going out and you wish you could grab them, bring them back in? I did that this I was in a in a meeting of a bunch of pastors this week and I said something that I should never have said and I wished I could grabbed it. Um it was it was yeah, it was just not not the nicest comment and I'll just leave it there. But um I think we've been there. Have you ever done something that you hope nobody ever finds out? Or have you thought thoughts that you would be horrified if somebody else knew about them? I think the author of our book, First Peter, is such a man. Peter, the apostle, the disciple of Jesus, um, I think it was a man that was a sinner and graciously was saved. But in John chapter 13, you probably know the story, but let me remind you, Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, Where am I going? You cannot follow me now. But you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I love Peter's zeal. Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me truly truly i say to you the rooster will not crow till you've denied me 3 times now if you carry on in john john chapter 18 verse uh, 15 we read these words and simon peter followed jesus and so did another disciple so they're following jesus they're going to where the trial is and since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered He entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of these men's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servant's And officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves, and Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Go down to verse 25 of chapter 18, and we read these words. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Now, the other Gospels tell us that Jesus actually at that moment looks at Peter, and we're told in the other Gospels that that Peter actually ran off and wept at that very moment. For what he said, he regretted. For what he did, he regretted. He, 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 He fell short. It wasn't until after the resurrection, Jesus' death and then his resurrection that we come across john chapter twenty one and I think this this particular passage has an incredible bearing on first Peter five, so follow me, hang with me in john chapter twenty one We read these words, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We don't know what what he pointing to. Is Is he pointing to the boats and the fish? Or is he pointing to the other disciples? We're not sure what he's pointing to, but he says, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And and he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I think Peter at that moment, and certainly prior to, there was sorrow and regret that he felt, but there was pain when Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Because I think when he, when he heard the third time, he was remembering that it was the three times he denied his Lord. And yet, there had to be an incredible joy to know that Jesus' death paid his debt, and Jesus' resurrection made it possible for him to now serve Jesus, as Jesus says, "Tend my lambs, or feed my lambs; tend my sheep, feed my sheep." Uh, th- that's remarkable what God said to Peter in that moment. I say God on purpose because thinking through our three questions and thinking through Peter when he denied Jesus three times, he lied three times. He broke that commandment, but he broke another commandment before that. He loved something more than he loved his God, his Jesus. He loved his own comfort, he loved his protection, he loved whatever, and he put something else ahead of the Lord which caused him to lie. Usually when we break commandments two through ten, we've already broken number one. Our subject this morning is elders and why does it matter? And you're going, where are you going, L Ray? That's where we're headed. But our book, First Peter, actually isn't about elders. There's four verses on elders, but the book itself isn't really about elders. The purpose of the book is found in 5, verse 12 of First Peter. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother. So Sylvanus is probably the one who's recording and Peter's dictating. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And so the purpose of this book is very simple. He says, I want to point you to the grace of God, the gospel. I want to remind you of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And then I want you to stand firm in it. And by standing firm in it, meaning to persevere even when times get difficult. And to stand firm in it means to obey him. It would seem that this, these people group, uh, Peter's writing to the, the churches that are scattered through what we think is the present day, uh, the northern part of Turkey. And he's writing to them, and it would seem by other things he's saying that they're going through some intense persecution and going through some various trials. Verse 6 of chapter 1. And he's saying that's actually a good thing. He says because in that you're going to be tested and you're going to be refined and 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 what's genuinely gold won't perish. It'll actually become better. So the book is about the gospel, reminding these people of the incredible gospel. he says uh, the book is facing impending assaults on the gospel. Peter witnesses to the grace of God the overwhelming reality of what God has done in Jesus Christ. So I'll give you a couple examples. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. I'm looking at verse chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He Himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Okay, stop and think. Peter denied Jesus three times. Now, there was other sins in his life, but th- this message that Jesus died for him and by his wounds he's been healed, uh, by that just Jesus bore his sins, that just Jesus died for his sins that, so that, that he could now live towards righteousness or to righteousness, that had an impact on Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be ve- revealed in the last time, and in this you rejoice. So he's, he's in this book. Peter will point to the cross and said, "By his by his works, by his wounds, we've been healed." Our sins have been forgiven. He will also point to the resurrection and say, because of the resurrection, we have been born again. We have been born to a living hope. There we, we have an inheritance, its future that is is what imperishable, undefiled, and unfading and so he's going to point to to the good news, to the grace of God, to the gospel to to Jesus and what he's done and says, I want you to remember these things. And he says, verse 13 of chapter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Because of these things, prepare your minds, stand firm, and be holy. And it's in this type of letter... As he's writing to the entire church in various places that Peter puts these four verses on elders. It, that's where he's putting it. So he's not just writing to the elders, although he is talking to the elders in these four verses, but he's he's talking to the church. And so what I want to do is just simply walk through. I don't have some fancy points to walk through in these four verses, but I want to walk through these four verses and and just kind of examine it and unpack it as we go. But notice in verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you. The word so, or you could say therefore. So it's connected to what's in front of. And just immediately before he talks about the elders, he's talking about his suffering Christians. And he says in verse 12 of verse chapter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice! So when there's trials, don't be surprised by them, but rather rejoice in them. That's crazy. He goes on. In verse 17 of chapter 4, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of for those who do not obey the gospel of God? What Peter is doing there is thinking back to, I think, Ezekiel chapter 9, where God speaks to the, the Jerusalem, to the Jewish people, and he says the judgment begins in the sanctuary. and begins with the elders of the Jewish people. And and God, in His grace, uh, brings trials and sufferings and pain to the people of God to refine us. But those who are not genuinely the people of God, the suffering will cause us to crumble. But He starts with the church, with the household of God, and even more specifically, I think in verse verse 1 of chapter 5, Therefore, I exhort, I plead, I encourage with the elders. He says, suffering is going to start with you. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. He's he's encouraging them. He's pleading with them. he's, He's inviting them. He's begging them. That's another way to put it. Remember, elders from last week are not necessarily the oldest in the crowd, but it's those who are mature in their knowledge of the Word and a a maturity in their character. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. I I love this. Peter doesn't say... um, I'm better than you. He says, I'm actually one of you. This is an apostle of Christ, a disciple who walked with Jesus, says, I'm a fellow elder. I'm a partner with you. He goes on and says, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. This, this Peter, we already read, he, he was on the courtyard and he was looking into, he could see where the trial, the the, the false, trial of jesus was going on he witnessed that earlier he was in gethsemane when when jesus was praying and dropping sweats of blood and suffering and agony peter slept through most of that but he saw some of it i i think he certainly was probably certainly probably doesn't make any sense does it we're not sure but i i believe he was witnessing from a distance what was taking place on the cross So he was a witness to the sufferings of Christ, but not only was he a witness in that he was an eyewitness and saw those things, but he was a witness in the fact that he spoke about those things. And so he would have stood on the on the uh, on the, on the in the courthouse and said, "Yes, this is what I've testified to. This is what I've witnessed. This is what I've seen." He would have done that over a cup of coffee. He would have done that around a meal. He would have done that in the in the synagogue. He would have done that in front of leaders. He would have done that on the streets. He was telling others about who Jesus is and what Jesus had done. He testified. But the Greek word there is martyr. Not only did he testify with his lips, but he died. Not at this point, but he knew that's where he was headed because Jesus, after he says, feed my sheep, he tells them the manner of death which he, which he would eventually have and and we're told that he by history that he also was crucified history tells us that he refused to be crucified like his lord so he was crucified upside down peter the fellow elder of the elders of these churches says not only am I a fellow elder i'm a witness of the sufferings of christ but not only that, I'm also a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He says I'm and that word partaker is like a companion. <laughs> I'm a companion in what is about to be revealed, that inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And so in that moment he pauses and speaks to the elders of a church that's already suffering. And he says, I, uh, may I plead with you, may I encourage you, may I beg you, may I invite you as a fellow elder, a fellow witness, uh, one that will die for his faith, one who has already suffered, and one who is a companion of what is our inheritance. Then he tells these elders what they're to do. May it be really f- Frank at this moment. These next two verses this week has really uh, highlighted personally not only God's grace that I have the privilege to be your pastor, but has also highlighted the fact that man, I fall short. And I don't, I don't say that to I, I just what Peter calls the elders to is, is a high task. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The word shepherd is a language Jesus used when he, when he talked to his disciple. When he talked to Peter he says, he says feed my lambs tend my sheep feed my sheep. That's the language that Jesus says to Peter, um, it's a language that, that we find throughout the Old Testament. Leaders were often seen and considered shepherds. It's a language of Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And my translation has those words capitalized because it's talking about Jesus. There is this distinct shepherd, there's a distinct overseer, there's a distinct elder. His name is Jesus. And yet by His grace, He's allowed humans to serve Him in that fashion in the context of the church. Notice, Peter says, shepherd the flock of God. Community grace is not Elroy's church. It will not be the elders' church. Community grace is the church of God. It belongs to the Lord. I am simply a servant. I simply have a role to play, as all of us do. Shepherd the flock of God among you. That word is really, really important, those two words. I guess that's two words, right? You can smile. Shepherd the flock of God among you. That means to be a shepherd, to be a pastor, to be an elder, to be an overseer. Whatever language you want to use, it's all interchangeable. Even in, as we saw in Acts 20, been sit, again, see First Peter Means we have to be with the people. Now that doesn't mean we're always with the people. That doesn't mean we 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 move into your house. If you make good meals, we might. But but it means we need to know the people. Some have said we need to smell like the sheep. When we were in Africa, uh, we were in the northern part of Kenya, nomadic in a nomadic area where they took care of. Goats and uh, camels, I think some sheep, I can't remember, but certainly goats, that was a, the primary um, the primary animal that they would uh, shepherd. And um, it was interesting to watch the shepherds. They're not like the ranchers of today. The shepherds actually lived with the sheep they would walk and the sheep would follow and they'd walk them to a place where they could eat for the day. And then they'd walk them to a place where they could have something to drink. And at night, they would start a fire and the sheep would be around them and the shepherd would stay awake to make sure no wolves would come around. And in the daytime, the shepherd, as the shepherd brought them to a place that was peaceful and, and okay, you notice the shepherd would nod off under the tree. That's when they got the rest. Because the shepherd was among the sheep. The shepherd is not meant to be in some ivory tower. The shepherd's not. Yes, the shepherd needs to study and prepare for, to pre- preach the word and proclaim the word. The, the shepherd needs to get away to pray. Yes, absolutely. But the shepherd and the, the, um, the elders, they need to be among the people. They need to know the people. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Then the second thing he says to them, exercising oversight. It's slightly different, but it's connected. And it's not exercising oversight like, okay, you're the big cheese. Uh, It's exercising oversight in the sense of a watchful care over. This is why, part of why the body of Christ is so important. Because, it, because it's in the context of the body of Christ that we have leaders that care for and walk among and exercise oversight. Helping, helping the flock see here's good water to drink. Don't drink that stuff. It'll kill you. Here's some good grass over there. And, and guess what? I know some grass over there that we'll get to once we're done here. Trust me and I'll take you there. That's the work of the elders. Now, I recognize in a place like this, even this small of a crowd, that there have been individuals who have been under the leadership of churches that have abused this. And I'm sorry to say that, hear that, but the reality is that doesn't mean we just reject the church. We need to lean in and find a place where the church will actually be led by leaders such as this. And there are some, even in our great city. Shepherd the flock of God among you, giving or exercising oversight. And this is the part that's hard. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Not because I have to, but because I want to. I don't wake up every morning doing that. Is that on- can I be frank and honest? Like that's, but I can't see myself doing anything else. Does it stop there? Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Yes, there is a place to pay some of the elders, especially the teaching elders, Paul says to Timothy. The workman is worthy of his hire, Paul says in Corinthians. But I'm afraid that there's too many doing this simply because it's a job. not because they get to. I think Peter, because of what Jesus said to him, because of the grace of Jesus back in John chapter 21 when he says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, I think Peter's overwhelmed and goes, if, if, if they can't pay me, I'm going to do this because I have to because I'm overwhelmed with what Jesus has done for me. And then he goes on, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Not because you want to have power over and control and dominate. And unfortunately, I think, we, including myself, have fallen short there. But but because we want to be examples to the flock. That's what an elder is called to do. He concludes in verse 4 And when the chief shepherd, the chief pastor, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, he promises that same thing to the entire church. It's not like they're going to get something special. It, 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 they, they receive what they, they just simply do in their role and they receive their crown in the in, in same way every Christian will. It's not that the elder is better or superior. This is just what the, the way they've been gifted and, they, and, and, and there's a maturity there and they just have to do it. But in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of various trials, Peter says, gird up your mind, prepare your minds, remember the gospel, and out of the gospel, shepherd the flock and exercise oversight. That's what he's doing. And when Jesus returns, the chief elder, the chief overseer, the chief pastor appears then you'll receive the unfrading crown of glory. You've probably seen the, the wreath that they would wear if they won the Olympic events. That's what he's referring to. It's quite possible he's referring to a golden wreath that they would make for some civic leaders. But regardless, it's a place, it's a, it's a, it's a crown of honor. That's the promise. So I ask the question... So what? We're a church under construction. We're a church that we're praying that Jesus is building a church that will be a community for all cultures that would worship Jesus as king. What's the big deal about this? Well, we heard last week that wherever Peter went, he would appoint elders in all the churches. Where Paul went, he would appoint elders in all the churches. It would seem that that was Peter's Doing as well, we heard last week that a an elder has to be above reproach. I mean, others need to be able to speak in and go, "Yeah, this person is blameless." As far as we can tell, they're blameless. And so the church has to affirm these appointments or decisions. And so we, as a church, need to move forward in the in the idea that we're not just a church that's ruled by one elder, but a, a plurality of elders. There's got to be more, and we're so we're moving in that direction. Hopefully, on the eighth of December. But what has this text got to say to us? First, I think, and you probably can unpack some more things, but one, pray. Pray. Pray that we as a church affirm the right elders. Okay? Please pray. Pray to that end. and, And pray for... Anyone that we affirm to be elders, pray much for them, be- because, as Peter says, it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Pray for them. Pray that they lead well. Pray that they that they be remain humble. Pray that pray that they would serve not under compulsion but willingly that they would they would give oversight not for shameful gain but eagerly that they would not be there to domineer but they would be there to be examples and then i ask pray am i an elder i think god has blessed this church with a number of individuals They might need to make some shifts and changes in their life, or in their thinking, or their. But they could be elders. And so I ask you, pray that we get the right ones. Pray for the health of our elders, and pray that, am I am I an elder? And then, secondly, submit. I didn't read verse five, but. Likewise, you who are younger, and I'm assuming younger in the faith, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That, that I don't like the word submit. I, I grew up in southern Alberta. Uh, I was... I was a fan of Wexit before there was a Wexit. I'm not a fan of it now, by the way. Just, I just want you to be clear, okay? But When I was an 18-year-old, I was like, shook my fist in the face of the government because I thought we could do better all by ourselves. We live in a culture, quite frankly, that, that we don't like our boss and we don't like our political leaders and we don't even like church leaders. And, and and to our credit, we've there's sometimes been reason why we shouldn't like them. But yet, even in this text, where Nero's probably the, the the Caesar at the time who will probably is the one who put Peter and Paul to death. In this very book, we're told to submit even to our leaders, political leaders. How much more ought we to? Follow the example of those who lead well. So pray, submit. There might be a number of other things you would come out of that passage with, but that's where I'm at. Even as one of your elders, I go, oh my goodness, Lord, help me to grow in being a healthy elder. Can you imagine a church family where these chairs are filled if the Lord would allow us to stay in this place and where many of the ethnic groups that are found in our city would be represented. And together with one voice, that would be crazy, but together with one voice we'd worship King Jesus And that would be just a little tiny foretaste of what's going to happen in heaven. Revelation chapter 7. But could you imagine if that is being led by incredibly humble servants? Individuals that we see as elders, pastors, shepherds leading us. Not because they have to, but because they want to. Not because they can get something, but because they're eager. Not lording over, but being examples to the flock. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. But, but truth be known, you love me, you love us far more. It, it was by your wounds we have been healed. You sent Your Son. That's astounding. If You are for us, who can be against us, as we read at the beginning of the service? That's remarkable. And not only that, Lord, but you, Your Son rose from the dead. Sin, our sin could not keep Him there. Death could not keep Him there. He rose from the sin, from the dead, conquered the grave. And because of that, we have a living hope. We have an inheritance that is waiting for us, that is, is not only eternal, but it's unfading and undefiled. Wow. Lord, thank you. Would you lay the foundation of this church, Lord, with, with men who are godly, will lead well being examples to the flock help those men to shepherd help us as a people to choose them rightly and Lord would they exercise oversight in the way that would please you and Lord by your grace would you cause this church to root and to flourish to sink its roots and get water and, and, and cause its branches to go out and bear fruit. Lord, that's impossible. But not with you. In your name we pray. Amen.